Welcome to a special edition of the NRL podcast. We are reviewing a thrilling NRL Telstra Premiership Grand Final. Uh, my name is Chris Kennedy. I'm joined, as always, by NRL.com crack reporter Alicia Newton. Alicia, thank you for being here. Good to be here, CK. What a game. Lived up to everything I thought we thought it would be. And, uh, yeah, I think the better team won in the end. Yeah, there's uh, plenty to delve into uh, with us, as always. And for the last time this year is Marty Lenahan. Marty, thank you for being here. Uh, good to be here, guys. Yes, indeed. It was an uh, epic finish to the season. Marty, was it everything you thought it would be? Mate, absolutely. I think the best thing about um, a number of these finals games has been just the tightness. Defence really made a, a comeback. You know, there was a lot of blowout scores during the year and people got a bit, little bit worried about that. But mostly the finals that uh, well, particularly Penrith were in, uh, geez, there were just some epic defensive games and for all the you know the, the Rabbitohs fans I guess after some of those things that happened earlier in the year their defence was questioned um, they just stood up incredibly in the grand final and did a, a sensational job to even stay in the game really at 8-6 at half time I think they would have been delighted given uh, you know all the forced dropouts and all the pressure they were under so yeah just a, a fantastic uh, tight contest to uh, to finish the year. Alicia as hard as South's Ford it sort of felt like Penrith did what I've been doing a lot in the past two years which was just um, dominate field position and possession and you know kick really effectively build pressure with the kicks kick to corners kick for dropouts and um, just sort of you know slowly wear the opposition down. Yeah I think up until well probably when Alex Johnson scored like that for that 75 minutes, they were pretty pretty comfortable. I thought they they never lost their way, despite you know having a fair few opportunities to extend their lead. They just sort of were in cruise mode. I thought um, always got out of their end with ease, and um, you know Nathan Cleary's kicking game. I'm sure we're going to get to that soon, but um, proved the difference. And that that last sort of five minutes, I thought, oh geez, like especially when Cameron Murray burst through the middle there. Um, got very very worrying if you're a Panthers fan but no I thought just on the game as, as a whole like we're, we're talking about this earlier in the day but you know I don't think it will go down as one of the greatest ever sort of grand finals but definitely gripping and um had I guess just that back and forth and um you just felt like Souths were holding on the whole time though and um you know when they did get their opportunities they crossed but just obviously not in the end they, they couldn't capitalize there's a fair bit in there. Um, Marty, I guess, start off in terms of South being able to capitalise when they did get in range. They they seemed to crack Penrith twice pretty easily. They were just down in position to do so, so rarely that they weren't able to um, to do it too many times. Yeah, I mean, that was the key, obviously, for Penrith. I think where Nathan Cleary landed, he's kicks the whole night, the fact that they could drive, you know, the, the South guys back and then quite often sort of holding down, happy to give away that early uh, six again on the first tackle, which I would say going forward, you know, I think the NRL needs to look at making that a penalty. That just seems like a fairly obvious play to give away an extra tackle. You don't care about making seven tackles when it starts, you know, five metres out from the goal line. So he's kicking just basically dominated the game and, you know, I think Cody Walker's try will go down as one of the, certainly one of the great tries in a losing the grand final side. That was incredible what he did. Um, you know, we all know what happened later, of course, where he went from being the hero to uh, unfortunately throwing the pass that cost him the game. And I think that's, you know, there's very few guys that take the game on like Cody Walker does. I mean, Nathan Cleary's game is just so um, almost robotic. He's brilliant control of the game, but the chances are, are taken by very few players. And there's Cody Walker, you know, taking a, 
a risk, I guess, and um, unfortunately came up with with nothing. So, uh, but yeah, just just brilliantly controlled by Penrith, and that's that's why South have so few opportunities to to get over. We'll talk about Cody Walker a bit more in a minute, but Alicia, in terms of Cleary, I thought it deserved Clive Churchill Medal winner. Um, it's a you know, it's a contentious award, plenty of years. I can think of a, a number of years where I, I believe that the best player on the field has not walked away with the Clive Churchill medal. There were certainly plenty of good performances for, for Penrith and a couple of from South as well, but I, I couldn't make any kind of argument that it went to the wrong player last night. No, certainly not. I think, you know, five forced dropouts. Um, I don't recall one ball going dead. I think he kicked it maybe into Colin Matungi at one point, but, like, that was the only sort of flaw in his kicking game. He just... He just controlled it and put a lot of pressure on on South Sydney's back three. And, um, you know, we knew it was coming. It was just a matter of, I guess, how well South could handle it with the, the kick pressure and all that, which I, I don't think they did as well, obviously, as, as that first week. they I don't think they pressured Nathan at all until probably later on in the game when it was sort of um, – but even that, I, I don't think it was a, a great enough effort. So, um, yeah, I, I was doing that story for Clive Churchill and I wasn't sure I was writing down half time. Like, who were the options here? I thought Dylan Edwards was outstanding for Penrith. Um, Cam Murray was awesome for South. And then Cody Walker was right up there after that try. And then obviously that they couldn't give it to him after that. So, yeah, I thought definitely the right player got the Clive Churchill. Um, but yeah, it's always pretty contentious, that that award. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go back through history and point out all the times I, I think that someone else should have got it. But um, yeah, certainly, I think Cleary, in, in the face of good performances from Edwards, from Yo, from Crichton, Burton, Toto, you know, mm. for South, Cam Murray in particular, it was excellent, but I, I couldn't point to any of them and say they should have got it um, ahead of Cleary. Let's talk about um, Cody Walker for a bit. There seems to be a bit of chat around that he's sort of, you know, capitulated or bottled the the grand final. I thought he had a wonderful game. That that try was absolutely one for the ages, one of the great individual grand final tries. He also um, set up the try for Alex Johnston. He he did most of the work creating the, um, you know, I know Dan Gagai threw the last pass, but Cody Walker was sort of the the key man in in setting up that play. Um, And even the intercept pass, that he threw. I think South have been pinned in their own end for so long. They conceded a couple of dropouts and managed to hold on with their defence. You know, even that the commentary was talking about South need to try. They can't just be going one out. They need to try something. They need to spread it wide from their own end and, and try and find some space on the edges because they're just not getting out of their own end. And that's, you know, I think Cody realised that and that's what he went for. And unfortunately, you know, Crichton was was good enough. But other than that one errant pass, I thought he had a marvellous game. Oh, he was outstanding. I think Cody Walker. They wouldn't be there in that grand final without him either. You got to think about the season that he had the number of tries he set up for them I just think that to say that he um, in any way cost them I mean they got back to 14-12 anyway even after that happened so you know the fairy tale the script was there from Adam Reynolds to kick that goal and you know maybe we go to golden point who knows what happens it's all you know it doesn't really matter that discussion now but I think credit to South they were able to fight back after that intercept because that would have really knocked the stuffing out of them and they were able to at least I think Penrith Gave them a ball, a couple, a couple of mistakes by Penrith. It got South down there. They managed to score. So, you know, if Adam Reynolds puts that goal over and whatever happens after that, you're probably not even talking about the intercept. So uh, I just thought he had a fantastic game. He drives so much of what they do. His try was sensational. And he just played such a huge part in their whole season that uh, I'm certainly sure within the, within the walls of the club, there'll be no uh, complaints about Cody Walker's game. 
No, absolutely not. What did you think of the um, the conversion, Alicia? I heard Adam Reynolds on, I think it was Triple M's post game, saying that he, you know, we deliberately started out to the right, looking to drift it back in, and off the boot, I was certain it was over and I've watched this again um you know today and off the boot it still looks 100 he's kicked it a thousand times it starts out to the right mm. it drifts back in it curls between the posts and this one just sort of started to curl back in and then it just sort of stopped and it just refused to, to keep coming back in and just held its line but um yeah I reckon he kicks that at least nine times out of ten well and the worst part is he's got to come back to Suncorp you know next year in Broncos colors and he'll probably slot as Wayne Bennett said, nine out of 10 of those kicks for the rest of his career. Like it's, um, I was expecting him to get it over. And certainly, as you said, off the boot looks, looked like it was, you know, they were leveling the scores, but Jesus tough. It, it, it's tough way. Eh? Like he, he'll feel a lot. It, it's a tough way to go out for him. Um, in South Sydney colours and, you know, yeah, that, that lives with your all off season, right? I mean, the, the one thing I guess for, for Adam is that he has won that competition previously. He knows what it's like to win one, but, yeah, it's uh, it's something that I think will haunt him for for a long time to come. Yeah, I mean, he was a pretty young fellow when he won that back in 2014. Mm-hmm. He would have loved to go out as captain, you know, helping. There's a lot of new teammates um, this time around. You think about, you know, the Cody Walkers and Damian Cooks and all these other guys that that haven't, you know, been part of the, the 2014 one. He would have loved to have won it, won it with them and, you know, with Wayne, who obviously he's won his fair share, but uh, not with South. So, um, yeah, it'll hurt. But uh, even if he kicked that, there's no guarantees that they um, they win it. Obviously, mm-hmm. Penrith, the uh, masters of the, the field position game and got a couple of um, sharpshooters of their own, particularly. Cleary um, in a field goal shootout. Um, geez, where to next, Marty? It's, um, you know, we touched on that Cameron Murray intercept before. I, I kind of, I wanted to touch on the South back three, really, because you, you put a, um, a Brian Toto or a, you know, a Daniel Tupo type body in that back line. They just, you know, Jackson Paulo was manhandled into touch a couple of times. Cameron Murray makes that break and he sort of, he had Cody Walker on his left and he, he ran away to him to his right. There was just no other red and green jersey within the same postcode I thought the back three probably you know Alex Johnson scored 30 tries this year but he's not exactly you tracking it out of yardage sort of wing and I thought that was probably one of the key differences as well yeah and also there was Jackson Paulo getting away down the right quite early in the game where Cody was back inside calling out for a kick or a pass I think it was probably a kick I don't think he could have got a pass through to him so yeah look definitely their size I guess it really I think the loss of Luttrell didn't feel that noticeable in the first week of the finals and certainly not against Manly because Manly was so poor. But certainly last night, that physical presence that he, um, you know, just and, and what he takes into big games, the attitude he takes in, you can just imagine he would have been in Penrith's face the whole night. He takes the ball back so hard. I think that's really, and you talk about guys that will be haunted, I guess, like Adam Reynolds. Well, Luttrell, to sit there and watch that, um, I just think would have been so hard for him. And, you know, if South are going to be up there again next year, they're going to, and it's going to be a pretty different looking side and a first year coach and a lot of things working against them. But um, certainly in their favour will be Latrell Mitchell wanting to uh, make amends for, you know, letting his teammates down. I guess that's what he'll feel like. You never know whether he could have won them the game or not, but certainly he's going to enter uh, next season you know, with a, uh, you know, massively keen to uh, to make up for that. Leisha, did you have any unsung heroes from the uh, the grand final? I thought Moses Leota was immense for, for Penrith in the middle without really attracting any of the uh, attention. And um, Keon Kolomitangi, who uh, perhaps strangely was subbed about 56, 57 minutes and didn't get back on. I thought he was absolutely immense, both in attack and defence while he was on the field as well. There's was, was a few sort of standouts from the lesser lights, I guess. Yeah, those guys were awesome. I thought, um, I thought Matty Burton... You know, in his final game for the club was was uh, quite good. He obviously ran that 
that great line to get over the line. And, um, you know, I just thought his carries in, in the tough sort of circumstances. Stephen Crichton, I heard someone said that he was a bit quiet leading into that intercept, but I thought, geez, like looking at his stats, he racked up over 200. I thought he was great coming out of yardage um, for the Panthers, especially like they got out of their end, as I mentioned before, really easily compared to South. South would just get dragged back on every single tackle and it was relentless. Um, yeah, there's a couple of guys in the in the South lineup. Um, Dane Gagai obviously he had a pretty rough night with uh, the HIA and then that knee injury at the end, but I thought he looked pretty dangerous, you know, when he was crabbing across the field and looking for a gap. Um, but yeah, there's it's it's uh, it, it's pretty tough on South Dry Arrow. I I felt for him as well. Obviously, didn't last very long there. And Kikau was another one. I was pretty, uh, I guess asking for a bit more from him last week. Um, and I obviously referred to that grand final performance where he had the six errors, but um, I thought he was enormous, you know, last night and we really saw the best of him. But yeah, just back on the, that back five as well, like Dylan Edwards, broken foot, he's apparently been playing on. Uh, Brian Toho, we, we know that he's that ankle injury he had surgery on, hasn't fully recovered. I mean, some of these injury stories are just, absolutely crazy but you look at the numbers and they were up there for the best in yardage yeah well, you, you touched on Kikau, who i thought was uh, an interesting sort of case because he I, I think he has probably been a little bit quiet and didn't have his best game in the grand final last year um been coming off the bench the last two months or so he didn't really seem to have a huge impact in attack we know what a destructive edge runner he can be and how dominant a force he can be with a ball in his hand for me it was his defense that was monumentally. He had that wonderful kick chase that forced the ball loose from Jackson Paul. He had a couple of great reads on the edge, some really dominant um, physical sort of plays, you know, off the ball, Marty. I thought his, yeah, his defensive uh, input was was massive. Outstanding. And I think really it probably wasn't a game where many of those edge runners really stood out anyway. So it just didn't feel like the ball got to guys like him all that often and had that many chances. It was such a tight game through the middle. So I think, yeah, he, he's in terms of making up for a grand final, but he would have been very disappointed in last year. I thought he was excellent. As you said, some of that defensive work and not one of those, you know, catches of a kick for South were easy. You know, they were coming down right where Cleary wanted it on the line or five metres out, you know, guys were getting driven back. That was a huge play there by kick out. So I think he would be, uh, extremely happy with that game in terms of, you know, it's always a debate about whether he should start or come off the bench, but I think that worked really well for them last night. So, uh, yeah, I thought he was excellent. A few uh, departing players on both teams. We've touched on a, a few of them, but Alicia, I think Matty Burton, you just mentioned a great game for his last in Penrith Colours. Kurt Capewell goes back to Queensland with a, a premiership uh, under his belt. Um, some, some good stories there for the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, all the talk what, a few months ago was whether Matty Burton should go to Canterbury early in the year, though gets a wooden spoon or he plays on and wins a premiership so looking back now um you know Penrith made the right call and no doubt Matty Burton did as well because um you know he leaves with a lot of confidence now heading to Canterbury and it was nice to hear Ivan sort of speak about um you know how he, he just still doesn't want to let him go but um it's just it is what it is and that's what Penrith's going to have to face in the next few years now there's going to be a lot of clubs that are going to come after their players now that they've won the premiership and I, I guess that's the next question for them well where does this club go to now that they've they've broken the bit of a duck well yeah it's it's going to be a case of which ones do they keep and you've already seen you know Dane Laurie um ha have to leave and, and go to the Tigers and you know the ones this year, Matt Burton. So there's going to be there's going to be more as the uh, as time goes on. Brent Naden's off to the the Dogs as well. He was 18th man, not on the field. Um, 
last night, but yeah, there's a few getting away. And Marty, I guess the, the flip side there, Wayne um, departs Redfern uh, so close, but so far to um, another premiership, Adam Reynolds, we've obviously discussed, heads to, to Brisbane, he'll be part of the rebuild there. Uh, Benji Marshall, we still don't know what's happening uh, with him. So yeah, a few uh, fairy tales that weren't quite to be for the Bunnies. Yeah, interesting that see us are talking to Wayne and obviously hoping to have him involved in some role next year, obviously, before he will take charge of the new club in uh, 2023 when we find out, you know, what that team is. And obviously, he's the man to uh, to be in charge there. So I think it looks like he will have some kind of role with South Sydney. They'd love to, to keep him involved. I wrote my column uh, just before the game about Benji Marshall and I actually felt like he should play on. I think he's been fantastic there. He didn't get much of a chance in the grand final, but I think he's showed more than enough this year in, in a number 14 role, certainly at South with a couple of, with certainly with Adam Reynolds leaving, you know, what a benefit he could be to the younger guys at that, that club as they sort of regenerate their team or otherwise there's a, yeah, certainly a couple of other teams that might be able to look at him as well. I just think he's still got so much to offer. He's obviously um, super fit, uh, brings a great culture to, to the club. And I'd be surprised um, if he, I'd love to see him go around again and sort of move up and become only the fifth player to play 350 games if he goes around next year. So I reckon he's done enough to, uh, to have another crack. So it'll be interesting to see uh, when he makes his decision. He certainly won't make everyone wait as long as Cameron Smith did um, for his decision. So uh, I think we'll know this week. <laughs> He's a remarkable story. I mean, I remember, I don't know, Alicia, if you remember this, but Marty, you definitely would. He, his first couple of years in first grade, it just seemed like he was doing his shoulder every, you know, within a game or two of coming back. And I remember thinking, you know, this kid's such a marvellous talent and we're going to lose him to the game because his shoulder just won't hold up and he's going to be one of those what could have been stories but to his credit he sort of he got on top of it and he's played what 340 almost 350 games now he's become become one of the great survivors and from where he was you know with all those shoulder injuries back in his early days um just a phenomenal achievement for, for him in terms of his resilience and his commitment and his dedication his fitness absolutely i mean i remember being at uh editor of rugby league week back when he actually started his career and everyone talking about him and pushing for him to get a a go in first grade. I mean, he started a couple of years before that actual premiership that they won, but you're right. I mean, he was just injured so many times. He was a very light frame. It just looked like he wasn't quite going to be able to handle the the rigours of NRL. And here you are 16 years later. It's just phenomenal to uh, to see what he's been able to do and, and stay, as you said, he'd stay very fit and healthy for uh, certainly the last few years. Hasn't missed a whole lot of games and just able to be used very cleverly, I guess, by Wayne. He had some games where he played the full 80. He had some games where he played, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, all sorts of different roles. And um, I think, he, yeah, he's just a, a wonderful story and such a great ambassador for the game. I, I'd just love to see him uh, find a way to go on. I think his body could certainly handle it. It's just a matter of whether South can find a role for him or whether there's another club that... Uh, thinks he might be able to play a role. Yeah, I don't know how they squeeze him in. They've sort of picked up Anthony Milford as that like-for-like -like replacement, as that sort of, you know, skillful utility playmaker that they're, you know, that sort of fills that same role. Alicia, how do you see South sort of coming together next year? No Wayne, no, um, you know, Reynolds, potentially no Benji, no Dane Gagai, but still with a few of those key pieces, Latrell, Walker, Cook, um, most of their, their forwards, you know, Cam Murray, I, I guess is probably the, the likely captain um, next year. I suppose they're not exactly going to fall off a cliff, but they are losing some quality. Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier today. Like, it's it's tough because you're going to lose. For me, it's not Bennett. I think it's more, yeah, Adam Reynolds, like what he just brings, the kicking game, the control. 
he allows, you know, Cody Walker to, to do his magic and to lose a guy like him, you know, this whole off season now, I can just imagine it, you know, who's going to take Adam Reynolds' halfback jersey. It's going to be the talk. And now then handling that pressure of replacing, um, you know, such a halfback that's been there for over, what, a decade almost. So, um, yeah, I, I have them slipping down just purely because I think they've been up for, what, four years, three under Wayne, um, and I, I just think to lose a guy like Adam and then, um, you know, you're experimenting with your spine. I think they're still going to be quite good, obviously, attack and their defence will always be there. But, um, yeah, I just think that they're going to struggle a little bit next season. But, I mean, you can't write them off. You can't write them off for what they've done and the guys that they still have in their side and with Latrell coming back. But I do think that they might just take a bit of a dip next season. What do you think of the, the Reynolds scenario, Marty? I remember back when he debuted, there was a lot of sort of consternation that South could possibly let Chris Sando go. And he went to Parramatta and South had this, you know, young kid no one knew a lot about named Adam Reynolds sort of emerging. I'm pretty sure his first season, they, they completely shielded him from media. I don't remember doing a single interview his whole first season. They were just... Um, you know, keeping him away from any sort of um, outside distractions. And um, yeah, I think it was his third season, he's winning a grand final. So very quickly went from being, you know, a problem to to fill to, to winning a comp. Do they potentially see Blake Taff filling in that number seven role? Obviously, the troll Mitchell comes back to fill the, the number one. They do have uh, Milford arriving, but potentially Walker six, Taff seven with, you know, Latrell at one. The, the solution for them next year? Oh, I think Blake Taff will be the halfback. I reckon he was great. Yeah. He's only played eight games there. He was in the grand final. Yes, we, we can see that he got manhandled and he's not, I mean, his size is always going to be an issue to play at the back. If he's up at, up at halfback running the show with uh, with Cody Walker, and you can imagine they've done a lot of work together over the you know the last couple of years. Certainly, uh, Cody would have would have done some stuff with him at training, and I just think he's a he's a perfect fit. He's been a halfback through his sort of junior days anyway, and you've got Latrell there at the back, and uh, they've obviously got Lachlan Ilias there as well to sort of come through. But uh, yeah, I think you can't undersell the importance of uh, Adam Reynolds and what he's done for that team and what a huge loss he will be and also what a massive gain for Brisbane I think just quickly on them the way they finished the season and getting Adam Reynolds up there and a couple of other players I reckon they're in for a uh, a big year next year but certainly a yeah a massive change for South and just just around the culture and what a favourite son that he is and how much he'll be missed there uh at Redfern, but yeah, I think Blake Taft can certainly do a job there. What about get the crystal ball out for the Panthers? Alicia, obviously Burton's a, a big loss, but he hasn't been playing in the halves and they've got, you know, plenty of centre and wing stocks to, to fill out that back line without him. All these players coming off a, a grand final win. We've seen over the past few decades just how hard it is for any team to go back to back. You know, the Roosters with a very rare achievement recently, but, you know, you look at the Storm this year trying to back it up and um, sort of came apart at the, the end of the season. Do we see a Penrith dynasty or what now they've sort of got the the monkey off the back they might um you know have a have a target there instead yeah well we all thought that they you know wouldn't go as well as they have this year um after last season losing what josh mansour and james tamo um so they've proved us pretty much all wrong there but um look i think the big question is what's their motivation now moving forward you know is it going to be that back-to-back tag um I can see them sort of dropping a little bit as well, just given, um, you know, a lot of players are leaving, as you mentioned. Um, and I just think that they'll, they need to find something else now going on next year. I'm not saying their attack was terrible um, throughout the final series, but they need to find something else within their game, I think, because I think some teams have um, worked them out as good as 
as good as the final series was and not, not obviously underestimating how well they've done, but I think that they'll need to sort of take their game to another level um, and evolve if they want to, um, I guess, kick on and then become that same side, if that makes sense, or yeah, become I, a better side. Yeah, I think that's key. I mean, you look at, take the 2015 Cowboys, for example, I think Paul Green spent the next sort of five years trying to recreate that with the sort of mm. same sort of players and the same sort of game plan. And I know they made the 2017 grand final from nowhere, just based on basically two players having absolutely phenomenal seasons in, in Morgan and Tamalolo, but um, it all sort of fell apart just because they, they failed to, to adapt and evolve really. So uh, I guess Marty, the, the teams that have been able to maintain success and I guess Melbourne's probably the benchmark and, and the Roosters are the other one have been able to reflect, refresh their playing rosters, refresh their game plan. I mean, you look at Melbourne this year and last year compared to 10 years ago at the height of, you know, Smith, Slater and Cronk. And it's, you know, they're both extremely dominant teams with radically different styles and, and game plans and, and key players in key positions. I may live to regret this, but I think Melbourne are going to take a bit of a slide. I think they're, uh, I think Dale Finucane leaving that side, that is massive. Josh Adokar, Nico Hines as well. I mean, look, they've obviously still got a, a whole lot of talent there, but I just reckon they're, you know, they'll be probably, they're certainly not going to drop out of the finals in any way. But I think that in terms of that top four, I guess you've got to try and find where do we find sides that are going to move up. I think Manly were the real surprise packet this year that jumped mm. up probably when no one thought they would. So, You'd have to think they're going to be up there again. They've got pretty much, they're going to have pretty much the same side in 2022. So I just see Melbourne perhaps taking a little bit of a drop. I actually think Penrith, I reckon they're top two again for me next year. I can't see any reason that they uh, they won't be up there again. That back-to-back, as you said, only the Roosters and then way back to Brisbane in 92-93. So extremely hard to do, uh, but I reckon they're an absolute shoe-in to finish in the top two again next year and certainly uh, be there again looking to defend the title. And um, certainly the Roosters, I think, with Luke Keary back, I'm expecting them to uh, to be right in the mix when you think how good they were this year with him out and countless others um, that went out through the year. So I reckon they're right in the mix as well. Yeah, I was going to mention the uh, the Roosters for next year, getting Kiri back, getting Lindsay Collins back. Um, you know, this year, yeah, they're obviously not getting the, the Morris boys and Boyd Corner and Jake Friend back, but those guys are all a huge part of their salary cap this year. So, uh, you know, they won't get those players back, but they'll at least get the room to sort of, you know, um, either recruit or bump some other players up and, and have a full off-season sort of knowing who their, their best team's going to be rather than losing all those players. Uh, Alicia, who do you think the big movers could be next year, Um if anyone. Can I go with Canterbury just because they're on the bottom and they have to go up, surely, with that, yeah. that squad that they've assembled? Um, well, look at their, you know, their in terms of, they've got so many new players coming in. Yeah, I'd still have them just outside the eight just because I think it takes a little bit of time to sort of click and, like, um, I think 2023 they'll be very good. Um, but in terms of finals movement, oh, I don't know. It's pretty tough, like, just to think of – I guess the teams that, you know, finished in that ninth to 12th spot that might be pushing towards the top eight. Um, I think the Titans will be a lot better for their run. But then again, they, they're going to lose someone like Jamal Fogarty by the sounds of things to Canberra. So, you know, if Canberra can get him, perhaps they're back in the finals frame. So he's already talking about next season. <laughs> We're already uh, talking 2022, which I thought was quite fascinating last night, um, listening to Ivan in that press conference too. Like somebody asked him about, um, you know, what's now, you know, you're ready to sort of build on this. And he's like, I could not give a crap about 
you know, next season is like, just let me enjoy this off season with this premiership. Cause it has been what 45 years he said as a player and as a coach and, and as a kid, um, basically, you know, trying to get to, to what he achieved as, as a coach and as a player to win that premiership. So yeah, he'll have the whole summer to uh, let it all soak in. Cause I thought he was still a little bit in shock last night. Mind you, if it was Des Hasler, he would have been at the uh, the offices at 7am this morning yeah. planning for the there's yeah. different styles of coaching. And, um, you know, Ivan might be the type to put his feet up for a, a few months. But, yeah, there, there's some that would definitely be in there at the crack of dawn the next day planning for the uh, the next campaign. Um, it's probably just about all the, the grand final talking points. Any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? I was just thinking then that uh, you weren't going to get anything about next year from Wayne or Ivan, were we? They were both uh, great <laughs> Yeah. to uh, say that I think Wayne's, you know, people want to keep asking about his plans for next year. And I think quite rightly, he was obviously shattered. I think he's, uh, for all the success he's had in grand finals, I guess, to get that close, really, when you look at the ones he's lost, I mean, 2015 was, as he said, five seconds away from uh, winning a grand final. And last night, uh, the grand final was very close as well. So, yeah, no, no plans for Wayne that he's going to divulge. And certainly Ivan uh, has earned the right to, put the feet up for a couple of weeks and just enjoy. It's been, if you think what these players and teams have been through with being away from home and phenomenal job, you know, the NRL and everyone did to even keep it going. Um, they certainly deserve the chance to uh, to chill out for a little bit, whatever that looks like for the Penrith boys up in Queensland and just, uh, just enjoy it. They've certainly earned that right. I think everyone associated with the sports earned the right to uh, put their feet up over summer, us included. That brings us to the end of our uh, grand final wash up on NRL.com. Thank you, Marty. Thank you, Alicia, for being here. And thanks, everyone, for listening. That was our last preview slash review podcast of the season. But we'll be back uh, with plenty more good content uh, before you know it. Thanks for listening. (laughs)